Well, hey, we're excited, and I want to talk about, uh, in just a moment, how to be emotionally balanced, especially during the holidays. Uh, but before that, I just want to say thank you for your giving, but also just really want to honor a group of people, which is our, our technical team, our worship team, our jail ministry, uh, those that are, are greeting and all those kind of things, because uh, those that are going to the jail each and every week and each every month on Sundays, putting it online, ministering, all those kind of things, let me tell you, it's making a difference. And uh, it's interesting because we've never had this happen before, and I don't know if they're going to be putting them up on the screen, but uh, just in case, uh, we have two guys uh, that, we, that we've been ministering to through Macon and Randolph County uh, campuses, uh, and then they got transferred out of Macon and Randolph County and into the Department of Corrections. But what's interesting is, is this, and, and you see it, is uh, because those in the offering team, just like what Wendy did, uh, they are grabbing the principle of tithing, and they don't make a lot of money, like $50 a month in, in the Department of Corrections, but these two guys are tithing every month, the Family Life Fellowship, putting in the practice, and, and it's because, I mean... So think about the success that they're setting themselves for once they are released. And, and so God is doing amazing things. So when, when we honor them and, and broadcast in and follow up, they're getting the principles and, and God is blessing them. And, and I think, man, you know, $5 and $8, you know, that's not a lot to us, but to them, that's a lot. Amen. Everybody say balance. You know, in our, in our culture today, especially during this season, the holiday season, and I call it the holiday season because we're right at Thanksgiving before we enter the Christmas season, uh, that our emotions can run very high. They can, they can run very uh, uh, chaotic at times. And, and so you start figuring in like, like stress and, and frustrations and fear and lack and anger. All those build up in our lives. And if we don't know how to balance those in our lives, we can be overwhelmed by our emotions in our life. And our emotions feel so real to us, and, and they are real, but we have a difficult time distinguishing emotions from truth. We have a difficult time understanding truth because of fear, frustration, and hurt in our life that causes this depression into our lives. And emotions, you need to remember this, emotions are not truth, they're just feelings. Amen? So emotions are not truth, they're just feelings, how I'm feeling in the moment, but there's something that can counteract that. And so as we enter this holiday season, the next two weeks, we opened up last week, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time recapping a little bit, but we've been looking at the life of Elijah, and First Kings 8, uh, or James Five says that he is a man just like us, that, that he had highs, he had lows, he had victories, he had defeats in his life, he battled depression, and, but there's something that we can learn from his life of how he began to get by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit and bring our emotions under the control of, of our spirit where they belong, and instead of them allowing our emotions to rule our life, we can begin to have our emotions balanced. Everybody say balanced. And so, therefore, we're not living this distressed, out-of-character, chaotic life. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5, it says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. 
And Lord, I just speak balanced emotions in each and every person's life, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Father, that it's one thing to have knowledge, but Holy Spirit, we ask that you begin to give us revelation. Father, Holy Spirit, you begin to give us insight of how to apply the knowledge. You begin to give us understanding that we can apply this knowledge to our lives. And Lord, that's wisdom. But we can also pass that wisdom on to others because we're being equipped to equip others, Father. We're being equipped not only for ourselves, but, but Father, the next two weeks is equipping time. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you download these prescriptions in our heart. Lord, let people remember them. Give each person an opportunity, as Wendy said, to sow seed, to help people come under just rest, to come under just peace, Father. Because your word says, those whose hearts and minds stay on you in Isaiah 26, 3, that will have perfect peace. And so, Father, I speak perfect peace into every life, into every heart, into every mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verse 5, we see this, this excessive tiredness, this fatigue, this, this exhaustion in Elijah's life. And it's one thing to be tired from time to time, Amen. Because we all get tired from time to time. But when tiredness becomes fatigue and exhaustion and we're that way and our energy levels are, are out of whack all the time, then it's unhealthy and that can lead to depression. And when we think we have to have energy drinks all the time to make it through every day, come on, say amen. I mean, I, I have energy drinks from time to time. I personally prefer coffee, but... I. I but, but if you have to have energy drinks to survive life, then you're in a dangerous place. When I was uh, at the food bank, I used to drink a Red Bull every day, and, and we had a nurse who was interning at the food bank, and she said, hey, Vic, I see you drink a Red Bull, and I said, yeah, it, it energizes me, and she goes, well, I just, I want to do a test on you, and, and that's when the food bank was open twice a week, and I said, okay. She goes, I want to take your blood pressure. On Tuesdays, I want to take your blood pressure when you drank an inner, a Red Bull. And then on Thursdays, I don't want you to drink a Red Bull at the same time of day, and I want to take your blood pressure. Well, she, and she said, I don't want to just do it week. I want to do it for an entire month. And so she did that. And every time that I drank a Red Bull, and uh, my blood pressure was right on the borderline of me needing medicine. And so guess what? It, I learned. I, it's wisdom, all right. And so 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. It says, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord. Now, understand, this is right after the whole nation of Israel uh, gives their hearts to, to Christ. This is right after uh, the prophets are wiped out. And we know Jezebel sent this, this depressing message, and he got, he got rocked. And, and then he says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down their altars and killed every one of your prophets. And then he says, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I am the only one left. If you go back to 1 Kings 18, he planted a seed. He said, he said Lord, I'm the only one. So he planted this seed that all of a sudden it was a bad seed, but it began to harvest something in his life. And so in the cave, Elijah begins to lament or pray to God about how faithful he had been to God, and then he proceeds to have a pity party, reminding him that the children of 
Israel had killed all the God's prophets, and now they're trying to kill him, which was not truth. It was his emotions, because as we said, feelings are not truth, but, but truth is truth. And now they're trying to kill him. And I believe this is the moment where Elijah hit the pit of despair. He hit bottom. He all of a sudden entered into that, that, that depression that began to really affect his life. And when you hit the pit of despair, you are in a very dangerous place. And God recorded this story for us, church. And God recorded Elijah's successes, but he also recorded his depression. And why did he do that? So we don't have to feel hopeless. And I don't know about you, but I think probably most of us can identify more more with Elijah in this pit or this cave of depression and frustration and hurt and anger and discouragement then we can identify with the guy calling fire down from heaven and, and, and changing a nation, amen? And some of you have just walked through or you're walking through or you're going to walk through this emotional spiral downward and, and you're suddenly going to come and realize over the next two weeks, wow, I'm depressed. I've just accepted it. I didn't even know I had a depression problem. Man, I've lived this way my whole life and I thought it was normal. But good news, everybody shout good news. God shows us through one of his heroes, and he gives us permission to understand that we are okay not to be okay. That we're okay not to be okay. And sometimes battling depression and anxiety and fear and frustration and those things in our life, that's normal. And that God loves us. He never stopped loving Elijah. Even though Elijah was like, man, I just, I'm fed up. I want to die. I'm, I'm, I'm through, God. You, you, you've let me down. That God loves you wherever you are. But God teaches us through the life of Elijah, it's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to, to have depression become your identity in life. To have a victim mentality become your identity in life. And the prophetic word to you is, no matter wherever you are, God loves you. And God loves you so much that he'll give you the opportunity not to stay exactly where you are. And that he can bring you out of that, that pit of despair. And as Psalm 40 says, that he can place your feet upon the rock. He'll pull you out of the miry clay, and he'll place your feet upon the rock, which I believe is Christ Jesus and the word of God. And then he'll lead you. He'll establish your goings. So where are you going? Where are you headed? He'll establish your goings, your, your new beginnings, your, your future. So let's begin to look at the prescriptions to get out of the pit of despair and depression in our life. And 1 Kings 19.5a says, And then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. The Bible just doesn't use random terms. They're not just there by accident. But every time that you see it, a, a word, there's a meaning to it. And, and, and the word I want to look at is trees. The Bible says, verse says, broom tree. Which you know what that is? It's a picture of the cross. It's the picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve lost 
lost everything at a tree, but Jesus, God restored it through Christ Jesus at the cross. If you look at Moses, you see another tree, and it's a different type of tree, but you see that, that how we're tying all this together, that they, he, Moses was leading the children of Israel out of, the, out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and while they're in the wilderness, they ran out of water, and they started murmuring and complaining. We pick the story up here in Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. And, they, and so, man, they just experienced a miracle of passing through the Red Sea. And they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place of Merah, which means bitter. And remember, we learned last week that we have to root out the bitterness. Amen? Now watch this. How do we root out the bitterness? Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. And it was there at Merah, the place of bitterness, that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Man, when you feel bitter in life, you got to put the cross in the middle of what's bitter in your life. And when you put the cross in the middle of what's bitter in your life, it turns sweet. How do you root out bitterness? How do you root out resentment? How do you root out that, 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 that offense that you can't get rid of? Everybody say the cross. You put it and it turns sweet. Look what it says here in verse 26. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who heals broken hearts. I'm the Lord who heals bitterness. But you're never going to get rid of the bitterness in your life until you put Jesus, the cross, at the center of your life. And this is after leaving Mara, after leaving bitterness, the Israelites traveled onto the oasis of Elam where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped there besides the water. Elam means a fulfilled life. Elam means victory. Elam means those things that you desire in your life. It means strength, that God can strengthen you. God can give you victory. God can restore your health. God can. Everybody say, God can. But see, see, when you put the cross at the center of your situation, then your life begins to turn sweet. The problem is what we see Elijah, what he didn't do, what he didn't do, even in his bitterness, he didn't run to the bar to try to find satisfaction. He didn't run to an illicit relationship. He didn't get on social media, but he went to the cross. He went to the cross. You're a answer for your emotional state is always take it to Jesus at the beginning. Your answer for every question is answered at the foot of the cross. A, a fulfilled life, a life full of victory, a life full of health. Everybody say the cross. See, there are times that we ask God questions in our prayer time, and the problem is we end it, end it with a question mark. But you need to replace the question mark with a plus sign because a plus sign is the cross. And then all of a sudden, you'll start moving into that God can, but you'll move beyond the God can to the God did. Everybody say, God did. So every question gets answered 
when you replace the question mark with the cross. And then I love this. The angel told Elijah, eat and drink. The first prescription that we see that God prescribed was God fed him and God refreshed him. In other words, the first prescription is sleep. Man, take a nap. Come on, baby, take a nap. Let me tell you, one of the coolest airports we were recently in in April, I love it, and and I think every airport in the world ought to get this. But we were walking through Istanbul Airport in April, and they had this area. I mean, it was bigger than this platform. had recliner chairs, private rooms, and it was called the nap zone. I was like, yeah, baby, the nap zone. Do you know the most practical thing that you can do when you are experiencing depression and fatigue? Man, take a good nap. Take a good nap. Because naturally, often fatigue and depression are amplified when people don't have enough natural rest. God never created your body to run nonstop. America, I'll be honest with you, we're a workaholic nation. America is in this cycle of busyness. And you know what? Christians have got caught up into it. People say, well, Vic, what do you think, man? You think it's the end times? Why is our nation such in in disarray and, and confusion? Because Christians stopped taking rest in God. And we got so tired and fatigued doing everything that the world's doing that slowly what has happened is our nation in in the last, think about it, in the last 30 years have slipped away because we've been too tired and too fatigued to notice what's going on and to stand up. We're too tired to stand up for the rights of God and we're, we're too afraid and too frustrated. And why is America, man, you read the one-year Bible today? It's right there. The answer's right there. Proverbs 28, verse 2, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. The church has forgot how to rest. The church has forgot how to rest in God so we can be ready to do what God called us to do. The church has forgot how to rest its mind so we can't even hear the voice of God because it's clouded with busyness and all these other things that really don't affect eternity in our life. The Bible says when God created the earth in six days, he rested on the seventh. Was God tired? Did he say, Jesus, man, this whole creation thing has really fatigued me out. I need a break. I need a day off. No, God didn't need any rest, but he was modeling rest for us. Everybody say rest. I mean, it was such a big deal that he put it in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 8. Why? Because we are never created to run 365 days a year without ever taking a break. One of the most stable things that you can do spiritually to balance your life emotionally is to build in a healthy rhythm of rest. Life is not a marathon. I mean, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Vacations, naps, no work at home, no phone time, no screen time. Listen to this. Mental health. Some research suggests that excessive screen time watching may be linked to an increased risk of anxiety and depression. 
It's important to balance screen time with other activities that promote mental well-being, such as socializing with friends and family, exercising, and participating in hobbies and activities that you enjoy. It's simply building a rhythm of rest into your life. Let me tell you, I'll go do jail ministry tomorrow night. And before I go do jail ministry tomorrow night, I'll go home and take a nap. I'll get rest so I'm refreshed. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 8. It says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his, his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel Lord came again and touched him again and said, Get up and eat some more. Get up and eat some more, man. This is my kind of angel guy. But anyway... Because the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And the food, listen to me. Carb loading is in the Bible. (laughs) And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Carb loading is, it didn't say all the time. Come on, that's what I'm working on. The all the time thing. But at times it's good. The second prescription, and this is the one we'll end up with today, is God sent Elijah to church. Depending on which version of the Bible that you have, it might say Mount Sinai or it might say Mount Horeb. But Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb is a picture of the local church. Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai and the local church are one in perspective. Where did God meet his people and Moses to give them the law? At church. On Mount Sinai, Elijah was told by God, get to church. You get refreshed in church. One of the best things that you can do for your soul, your emotions, your marriage, your family, your fitness, your kids, is consistently, everybody say consistently, gather with the people of God. Why? You get refreshed in God's presence in a corporate setting physically. Because this is where God's spirit is there. And I understand God's word is there. Listen to what it says. People who are active in religious congregations tend to be happier and more civically engaged than their religiously unaffiliated adults or inactive members of religious groups, according to the Pew Research Center of the United States and two dozen countries. Satan will do everything that he can to keep you out of church. He will do everything that he can to keep you out of a life-giving, Bible-believing church. Church is the oxygen, is the breath of God that keeps you going through the week. And so, therefore, if you're too tired to come to church, then you are, your life is out of control and out of balance. If you're too tired to come to church, then your life is out of balance. Listen to this. Statistics say about 50% of Christians attend church one time a month in the United States of America. One out of two Christians, one time a month. And listen to my heart here. And I want you to just listen what I'm saying. I'm not here to condemn you. In fact, if you're here, I applaud you for coming this month. Why? Because you don't have to go. You don't have to come. You could be doing a lot of other things. But as a, as a Christian first and then as a pastor, I encourage you to attend church more often than what you do. Why? 
Using data from other large-scale longitudinal studies, Vanderweel found that religiosity improves mental health. Attending services at least weekly or meditating regularly reduces feelings of depression and increases feelings of life satisfaction, purpose. And I love this. This is why you need to, even among adolescents, when my parents made me go to church so I give my kids a choice to go, no, 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 no. That's why we need to take our children and students to church. Trish and I had a rule in our family. It wasn't a guideline. It wasn't an option that our kids had to go to church at least once a week. That wasn't an option. If they lived under our, house, under our roof, they went to church once a week. Listen, you don't even have to pray about this because God is saying yes to you. God's saying yes, you need to be in church on a regular, consistent basis. How can I say that with confidence? Last Saturday, one-year Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Don't be that some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So all I'm doing is encouraging you, based on what the Word of God says, is that you need to be in church regularly. See, the more you attend church, the more you're around other believers the more you're in a live worship atmosphere, it will build you up more and more and stabilize your emotions and who you are in Christ. And in turn, it will strengthen you, and not just you, but it will enrich your most important relationships. Listen to this. About 28% of the people who attended a religious service weekly are extremely satisfied with their lives compared to the dot, dot, dot. Think about it spiritually with me. What would happen to your life instead of 12 times a year, you went 24 times a year? Man, I believe it would be a game changer. It would literally transform your life. Listen to what it says. Those who attend religious service weekly or more than monthly are 13% more likely to have completed at least some college coursework than those who never attend. Furthermore, weekly observers are 18% more likely to take a bachelor's degree than those who never attend religious services. That's why you need to bring your kids to church. Marino Bruce identifies how and why attending worship services is good for your health. People who attend services at a church, attend in person. It didn't say anything about online. Church, synagogue, or mosque are less stressed and live longer, according to new research by Vanderbilt University. Everybody say church. It will literally transform your life. Think about this. The average American... spends 6.5959 minutes a day, seven hours on screen time. Seven hours a day on screen time. Think about this. If you attend church once a month, in three days, you've experienced more screen time than you experience church all year long. Is it any wonder that America is so depressed? Our lives are roller coasters of instability. Why our marriage and family is struggling? Because the reason you're struggling in life is because you're filling your life with more of what the world says than what the Word of God says. 
you spend more time looking at the screen than the Word. And we wonder why we got problems. Listen, I love TV. But you need to be selective, and everybody say balance, in how much you watch your screen time. Mental health, some research suggests that excessive screen time may be linked to an increased risk of anxiety and depression. It's important to balance your screen time viewing with other activities that promote mental well-being, such as socializing with friends, family. So guess what? When we get together, we don't need to be on the phone. Amen. Come on. We come to church. We don't need to be on the phone. Come on. Say amen. You get enough screen time outside there, you don't need screen time in here. Listen to what it says. Exercising and participating in hobbies and activities that you enjoy. Over time, binge-watching may harm your health in ways you may not expect. Researchers have raised or decreased physical activity, sleep problems, and fatigue, blood clots, heart problems, poor diet, social isolation, behavioral addiction, and cognitive decline. As a Christian first, as a pastor to our church, I want to encourage you to get church as often as you can. Because could you ever imagine what would happen to your life if you attended church weekly? And so right now, you have to come to, God's going to ask you the same question he asked Elijah as I close. First Kings chapter 19, 9. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Vic? God is not asking Elijah because he didn't know. But God is asking. He's asking us this morning, what are you doing here in the cave of depression? When it's Thanksgiving season, when it's Christmas season, where peace and joy and hope and laughter and thanksgiving of all that he's done in our life, every head bowed, every eye closed. What are you doing in your life right now? And you got to be honest. What are you doing in your life right now? What is it like? Is it everything that you want it to be? Next week, we'll look at the final three prescriptions. But this is where, what right now? Are you living in fear? Are you living in frustration? Are you living in hurt? Does it seem like your life is spiraling out of control in the pit of despair? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? You don't have to be. Jesus said, I'm reaching my hand down to you right now to pull you up out of the pit and to place you upon the rock, a secure, solid foundation, a rock that will launch you into your destiny, 
of things that God wants to do through your life that you can't even imagine or think. But it begins by, first of all, accepting Jesus into your heart. And it begins, second of all, by really just surrendering your life to him. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, have you ever, have you ever given him your heart? I know a lot of us believe in God and we know all the right stuff to say, but have you really given him your heart? And some of us, we've given him our heart. We're on our way to heaven. But man, the cycles that we're in, we keep repeating in our life. Why? I give him my heart. I thought things would change. They only change when you give him your life too. You not only make him Savior, but you make him Lord. And if that's you right now, right where you sit, I'm going to make it very simple for you. You just pray a prayer, something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to please forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I don't really get it all, but man, I, I sense something deep inside my heart that this is my moment. And I ask you to come into my life. Or maybe you said, you know what, Jesus, I, I gave you my heart. But I'm ready to give you my life. Because I'm just tired of my life, the way that it's going. I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. And I want that because that's a promise. And if you prayed that prayer, grab that connect card in the seat back in front of you and fill that out and let us know of your decision. It's important because you're not meant to do life alone. But allow us to come alongside you. And it's amazing what God will do in your life. You can get this and your life can turn around. Because we'll just help you get your life and the word of God will help you get your life into balance. For those of you who made a decision to say yes to Jesus, Family Life Fellowship, can we give them a great big applause? And,